Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, Star Wars. That's right. Um, we aren't going to be talking about movies on this episode. We're going to be talking about season two of the series that is really kind of taking the world by storm with The Mandalorian. Uh, joining me on this season, uh, on this, yeah, on this uh, Mandalorian post show is fellow lover of Star Wars. And my good buddy, Corey Sanzone. How are you doing today, man? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So uh, this episode was actually recorded before, but due to technical difficulties, uh, we're having to re-record it. Oh, well, I could talk (laughs) Star Wars all day, so I don't care. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It happens. Uh, So... You know, this series won't be ran like Ben Davis Movie Podcast, but rather it'll just be two buddies talking Star Wars. Uh, and I figured since I'm such a big fan of Star Wars, this will will be fun to do, you know, uh, a season of talking about the season of Mandalorian and kind of give us our thoughts, give us a, our thoughts on uh, this episode. So, Corey, what are your thoughts on the Mandalorian as a whole? Do you like it? Love it? Where you, where you fall on it? Love is a very... Uh apt word i feel for this series um for me i i've always been a huge star wars person i i've 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 i mean not so much grew up with the originals i mean obviously they came out before you and i were born but like i remember like some of the first movies watching with my dad and um when the new trail or the prequel trilogy came out um you know it was, it was a mixed bag um and actually as as a kid, I, I remember, you know, in, or young, younger, I remember enjoying them, but, uh, they, they, you know, I saw a lot of the flaws and then actually, as I got older, I think I started to appreciate them more watching them back, particularly actually, um, uh, the yeah, first one, that, uh, episode yeah. one, uh, you know, with the exception of Jar Jar, that movie actually is phenomenal. Um, and introduces one of the best, um, villains slash characters in the entirety of star wars uh, but then continuing to you know star wars dumb like i enjoyed the the new trilogy that i have my you know reservations and things about it but when it comes to expanded for lack of a better term expanded universe i think star wars has been crushing it i think their best content has been the stuff outside of the original trilogies when you're talking about clone wars animated series especially rebels you and i have talked about how like a rebels for me just is next level um and then you know the the spin-off movies of rebel of, of rogue one i truly think solo was underrated and then they just they're they're hitting the ball out of the park when it comes to the mandalorian in my opinion yeah i really <clears throat> kind of going off of what you said like Grew up huge Star Wars fan. It's the reason, really, that I have this podcast. I absolutely love movies because of my love for Star Wars. Uh, love the original trilogy. I grew up with the prequels. I I love those. Um, I have my reservations about Episode Two, <laughs> but uh, I I really really like the prequels. I'm also a big fan of the sequel trilogy. But like you said, like you were saying, their expanded stuff, whether it's Rogue One or Solo, seem to be catching on with the audiences more. Um, 
and people are liking it a lot more. Uh, Solo kind of, you know, didn't really do too well at the box office, but... But I think as people watch that back, it's getting more and more love. Like, the box office didn't do well, but, like, I remember going to see it in theaters, and I was like, all right, that was pretty good. Like, it was a good popcorn flick. And then I watched it back again, you know, when it came out on video, and I was like, that was a lot better than I remember it being in theaters. And I remember my dad saying the same thing. a lot of damn fun. Yeah, I was at... I just think that it, it it didn't get as much love as it should have gotten. I think it was very well done. And and like I said, if if I know a lot of people, like I've said it before, I've talked to people about like, oh, it's Rebels and 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 uh, Clone Wars, and they're like, oh my god, you're watching a kids cartoon. I'm like, it's not a kids show. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's it is Star Wars content under the veil of a kids show, but not in any way. Are especially rebels dive so deep into the Jedi lore and the mythic side of it that not a kid show. Yeah, I I really love uh, Clone Wars, and you're the one who got me hooked on Rebels, which I just finished uh, in time for this season of Mandalorian because certain characters may or may not be popping up in episodes. Oh, they so may. <laughs> so i wanted to uh go ahead and, and and get caught up with that um and i really love the first season of mandalorian it's good it, it it's star wars for everybody it has you know a little bit of western thrown in there mm-hmm. it it feels like they're not basing it off of uh previous star wars stuff they're not inspired by star wars in general, they're inspired by the stuff that inspired George Lucas, which is Westerns and, you know, these pulpy little action adventure things that came up before, you know, and, and I think that's why it's it's hitting with everybody because it feels so familiar to that original trilogy feel while being very detached from all the expectations of the Skywalker trilogy or Skywalker saga. Which, but they love to throw little Easter eggs in there too, and everybody loves when you just pick up little tiny things. Like, and and, the, and there was a multitude, which we'll get into obviously, of Easter eggs in this first episode that harken oh, back yeah. to the first Star Wars, you know, like the original trilogy, and then Episode One. I mean, there's so many great Easter eggs in this, just in this episode alone. But Season One had so many Easter eggs and so many nods back to so many parts of the star wars um universe that i mean that's what to me like the mandalorian the first season caught everybody by storm and i loved it and everybody really dove into you know what the mandalorians are and so on and so forth but we've we've known when you watch if anybody watched clone wars they went real deep into oh, yeah. Mandalorian culture so but like to the mainstream people that aren't watching clone wars it's almost a new character to them. Like, oh, like, oh, that kind of guy kind of looks like Boba Fett. And then it, you know, they expand upon it some from there. Um, but, it, you know, the first season was spectacular. I absolutely loved it. And they really picked up where they left off with this, with this episode. Absolutely, man. Um, and I, I, you hit the nail on the head. This is, it's expanding, you know, the Star Wars lore and the Mandalorian culture, which, is now, I think, becoming, you know, neck and neck with, if you were to ask anybody on the street, what would you rather be, a Mandalorian or a Jedi? You might get a, you know, 
back in the day you might just get 95 percent jedi now it's like i don't know <laughs> if i get yeah. that armor I, I'm, I might be going mando plus you know you kind of have the badassness of that helmet and yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll just be—I'll just throw it back, and I will just be a Mandalorian Jedi. Yep, that's the best combination of, of both worlds, right there. <laughs> There's been one, and Tarvisla. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, kind of going off of that question, I have another question before we kind of dive into this episode. What are your thoughts on uh, Star Wars TV? I love Star Wars TV. I mean, kind of like what we were just saying with Rebels and with Clone Wars. Star Wars TV, I think, has more potential in the long run than Star Wars movies. Uh, I feel like the Skywalker saga, I'm glad that it's wrapped up. I really pray they don't try and do anything else with that. Just leave it alone. Yeah, it ended perfectly. Um, It's done. Leave it alone. I don't need more Adventures of Rey. I don't need... Just done. Um. But Star Wars TV has the most potential in my mind for expanding this universe. And as we've seen, I mean, throughout so many things with TV, and we're talking about Game of Thrones or Witcher or anything, you have so much more to work with. And now TV shows have these massive budgets that they don't have to be cheap and done on, you know, crappy sets and whatever. Like they're, they're just as expansive as movies can be. And I think that Star Wars TV is going to explode as or continue to explode as they delve more into the Mandalorian. I love that they have so much more platform which to build upon with this, that they're going to start roping in stuff from Rebels. They're going to rope in stuff from the end of the Empirical War. And you're going to see a bunch more with this. And then, you know, you're going to have the Kenobi series and you're going to have the one that's about I can't remember the guy's name from. Cassian Endor? Yes. You're going to have a Cassian. I mean, like, there's so much they can do that you know it's in, you know, quote unquote Star Wars, but it, but it, in that universe, but it doesn't have to be about just a Jedi. It doesn't, there's so many more characters. That's one of the beauties of the original trilogy is they introduced us to this incredible world with so many species and so many different varieties out there. And then sometimes it gets, it got a little too, like, tunnel vision i feel like and now i love that they're really expanding upon the universe in which they live in and 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 then have the time with a television series to do just that there's so much more that can be fleshed out like i i mean not to talk outside of star wars but like the lord of the rings thing you and series you and i both talked about many times Oh, yes. oh my God. I cannot wait to see what they can do with that. Like me either. Uh, I, I love, I love middle earth. I cannot wait to return to it. And I'm excited for the, was it the, it's the second age, right? Second yeah. age. Yes. Yes. But I anyway, back to Star Wars, but like, that's my point is that there's so much more that they can do with television than the, that they can't do <laughs> in a film because a film just has that time limit that I yeah, can't, cannot wait to see what more star. I can't wait for more TV Star Wars content. Yeah, movies have such a, uh, it's like you're saying, a time limit on what you can do. TV shows have a little bit more room to breathe in terms of growing the characters and the and the story and the lore for things. Uh, I think for right now, I do want Star Wars to take a break from the theatrical releases. Not to 
you know, come up with a plan for a new trilogy or anything like that. I just want them to take a break from it. You know, you just came out with uh, the final movie of the Skywalker saga. I want that to be done, not because I don't love the characters of Ray, Finn, Poe, and Ben Solo. I just want those stories to be done because I think it ended so beautifully. There's no real reason to return to it. Um, just kind of let the TV part of Star Wars grow. Like you said, we're going to get Obi-Wan, which I'm really excited for. Ewan McGregor is probably the best part of the prequels. There's excited. no problem. He is the best part of the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am weird in the sense that I love Hayden Christensen as Anakin. I, um, I know you do, but I mean, <laughs> the saving grace of episode two was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, yeah, I can, I can, I can agree with that. The, the love, the love stuff with Padme and Anakin is uh, very cringy. Yes, <laughs> makes me makes me makes me uncomfortable, like Padme. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I really want Star Wars to to stick to TV, the smaller screen now, especially because the fans seem to be united and the the fandom culture surrounding Star Wars TV seems to be a lot healthier. Yeah, I mean, you said it before is that like it, it's it's amazing. Like there's so much division and you've talked about we've talked about fandom in the Star Wars that there's really like everybody agrees that everybody loves the original trilogy, but there's so much dissension on the prequels and the sequels and even in some of the spin-offs of movies, but everybody loves the Mandalorian. Yeah, it's everyone loves it even my wife, Carly, she loves the Mandalorian mostly because of baby Yoda, Yoda. But, <laughs> or the child. Excuse me. Yes. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want John Favreau jumping down my throat. If he he's ever listens, he's still baby Yoda. <laughs> uh, speaking of baby Yoda, let's move on to this uh, episode. Chapter nine, the Marshall. Uh, man, I really dug this episode. It is. So good. It's so rich from its themes, which are there. They're just on the surface with, you know, the the themes of the vacuum of power. What happens after the Death Star is blown up? You know, the themes of coming together, settling your differences. And the child constantly seeing violence around him and what that may do to him in the future and what that's going going to explore. Of course, you got uh, Cobb Vanth. Coming up with Timothy Oliphant, who is freaking Perfect. awesome. Perfect. I absolutely uh-huh. loved him in it. But I mean, like, so I love the tone that they set with this. Like a lot of the people, you know, a lot of, if there was any like interestingness or turns, I think in the end, in the, in the end of the first season is you start, you started to see a little bit more of than just the bounty hunter out of the Mandalorian. Like you saw, you know, some softness when it came to his, attachment with the child um and i was a little i don't want to say concerned but that he would come out a little bit softer this season and that first it's right off the rip you know wwf wrestling match star wars style um and then and blades yeah it was it was so awesome and then i was like well oh my god he's actually gonna let this dude live and you know like he agreed like you won't die by my hand and then i was like Oh man, he's actually gonna let. And then he shoots the light out and the uh, the things that look just like the uh, what are they called, Frynox or Fernox or whatever from Rebels, and you know with the the glowing red eyes that only attack in the dark. It's kind of right out of uh, was 
um, what was the movie with Vin Diesel from when we were kids? Pitch Black. Yes. It's like kind of right out of Pitch Black, you know, like everything goes black and then they attack him. And I'm just like, oh, that was so mean and brutal, but I loved it, you know? So he's still got that edge. Um, and, you know, like I, I'm a little like lukewarm on and continuing to revisit going back to Tatooine. Um, but because of this episode, it really enriched an episode that I know you didn't really like so much from the first season. Yes, it, it absolutely did. I uh, was not necessarily the biggest fan of that episode, but in context, and this is why I always tell people with television, I don't, it's, th- these are not necessarily reviews. They're just kind of talking over what we got from the episode because it's hard to, review a single episode from a season when you haven't seen the rest of the story. You know right. what I mean? It's very difficult to do because now that episode, even though some of the acting is a little wonky, which right. is something you get in the prequels and it's something you get here. And honestly, I think it's a stylistic choice. Um, it actually makes my appreciation for that episode. I think it was called the gunslinger. Um, grow a little bit more and i actually appreciate that episode because of what we get in this episode which is freaking awesome Amazing. you know like the the opening uh you, you were talking about is is really really awesome uh the the wwe style uh fight and everything like that it was it was it was really well done i love the way that he fights too the way that he moves uh it's it's very like visceral. And even though he's wearing all that heavy armor, he still moves almost John Wick esque. You know, very, it's very fluid, very very yeah. fluid. Yeah, and I, I really like that. And of course, the cuteness of Baby Yoda tapping the the little bubble thing that he's in. Well, good when he's about to send off, sign off the whistling birds. Yes, it's. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, one thing we didn't really see a whole lot of, I mean, throughout this whole episode is yes, you got nods to, you know, you saw some baby Yoda, but like, there wasn't really much in the expansion of, um, the relationship between Mando and baby Yoda, or I'm sorry, the child. Uh, but I think we'll see more of that as the season goes on. Um, I think this was just reestablishing the tone and, um, badassness, if you will, of Mando. Um, yeah, it does that, and it also these uh, episodes are very episodic, which is a, to a lot of it's it's to its strength, but a lot of it could be to its detriment as well. Like I would rather sometimes it focus on the whole story, but I do like those standalone episodes because it kind of gives everyone a flavor for what they're wanting out of Star Wars, um, and this episode kind of felt like a mix between episode the I would say the gunslinger episode and the episode four that Bryce Dallas Howard directed. Um, I'm forgetting the name of that episode, but that's why I, I like the episodic nature of it because it gives everyone something, something in, in star Wars, but I like that that through line they're they're still continuing to get to the the child stuff but they're taking their time with it you know yeah. and I, I like that that's another beauty of a tv show versus a a a movie 
Yeah, exactly. You can take their time getting there. And I love that. But we, I mean, they do have to be careful. There's, there's pitfalls in that, you know, you can't mm-hmm. do too, you can't be become too episodic. It can't become too much of a, okay, new monster, kill monster next episode, new monster, you know, cause then it becomes, you know, a little too repetitive. Um, Almost like a video game. Right. But I think that they're doing a good job of walking that line of keeping it something new and fresh and different. Um, but also continuing the story like sweet baby Yoda. Did they up the ante when it came to monsters in this? Oh my goodness. Like, (laughs) okay. So you were talking about earlier with the scale of, of TV Mm -hmm. and how now you can do things like in game of Thrones with the battle of the bastards. That was huge. And they have now developed this technology, which George Lucas was trying to get accomplished in the prequels, didn't necessarily hit, but it's the the volume or whatever they call it, where it's this gigantic room that has these LED projectors around it that makes the the actors feel as if they are, you know, on location. This this entire series is shot in Los Angeles, I believe. One big room. In one big room and it feels like you are there like the crate dragon is huge mm-hmm. it, great visual effects you know and i i expect that from the guy who brought us the lion king and the jungle book um so it, it is it is spectacular what they do with the crate dragon it's awesome it, it really is that thing is unbelievable i, I love that when you finally see it, like you're like, oh my, like you know, I like get you, you get the the jaws effect, if you will, of like the little fin coming out when it's going through the town, and you're like, well, that, that thing's pretty big. And then when you actually see it, and then I love the the beauty of the humor that it goes after the uh, <laughs> the Tuscan Raider rather than the Panther they said is a trap. But when you actually see the scale of this thing, you're like, oh my god, uh, and it. it and it was so well designed and well done that it felt it felt like, you know, they call it a dragon, but it felt a little bit like Dune, you know, it felt like the worms a little bit from Dune. It did. Uh, it but, did. It still had the dragon ishness of it without, you know, it, it was really, really well constructed. Uh, I mean, the, the, the CG was spectacular and. I love that they just threw a lot, you know, into it. Like I love the the little bits of humor. Like when they bit when it when it ate the Tuscan Raider, and they're like, like, well, they're open to other ideas. Yeah, you know? and and it just it was it was so well done. And and to elaborate on that, I love one thing I'm very very happy about is that they've taken the time to show that the Tuscan Raiders aren't just mindless monsters themselves. That they have their own culture, they have their own customs. That they're, I mean not human, but they're another species like every other in Star Wars that aren't just mindless killing machines that they've been portrayed as for all of Star Wars up until the Mandalorian, really. And yeah, they're, they are uh, monsters because they're, or they're, they're harsh because their world is harsh, I believe is what he says in the episode. Right. I mean, that's well put. I mean, and, and that's that's a very good testament to how, you know, your environment and the world in which we live in shapes who you become. I mean, it's they still have 
families and dogs, which we got to see, which was, you know, that was a really cool scene. Um, I, I didn't, you know, the Tuscan Raider dog with those massive teeth. That was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like they, it, they, you know, they have their own identity and who they are. And I like that they've expanded upon that. So we don't see them as just, you know, what we saw in episode four or what we saw, you know, the episode original two. Or, yeah. or in episode two. And I, I like that we see more of that. And, 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 you know, it speaks to, you know, acceptance and that we, you know, in the end of the episode, the people, the two sides that, you know, for lack of a better term, hate each other or have fought, have to come together. And that's a huge thing, a trend and theme throughout of Star Wars is is coming together, united in a common goal. Yeah, and it's it's a great message. It's a great message for this episode. And they don't hit you over the head with it. They give you the perfect amount of it. And it's wonderfully done. And, you know, it's not a okay, now we can all be friends thing. It's like, a, no, you know, we will keep peace with your village until you break it. Right. Kind of thing. And it's uh, not going to be easy. It's, we did what we needed to do. We'll go our separate ways. If you yeah. don't mess with us, we won't mess with you. And I like that. Like, you know, I like, like that. Exactly. exactly. Um, and, and, and speaking of themes of coming together and themes of Star Wars, I mentioned it at the top, vacuum of power. I love that this series is really diving into that. I know in the expanded, not the expanded, but the uh, canon novels, they've they've kind of dived into that a little bit, and 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 what it was like after the Battle of Endor. You know, it wasn't just you know the Ewoks are singing uh, Yub Nub, and everything goes back to. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, that, that's kind of how it was left off. Was like the, and e- I mean even the gap between episode you know six and episode seven is kind of like and now we have you know another evil that has risen you know but like they they don't i love that this show is really bridging that gap of showing that the fall of the empire while was a good thing still led to a tremendous amount of chaos in the rest of the galaxy i mean as bad as the empire was they did bring they did bring order to the galaxy yeah um and and that fall led to you know the rise of the you know mining guilds and um a a bunch of you know underground um criminal activity yeah because usually when there's a vacuum of power it's not someone good going in to take over it's someone who's craving that power that comes in and, and does something and i like that they are they are establishing that that is what happened. And there are consequences for overthrowing, you know, a dictatorship essentially is what that was, the empire. Right. Um, without having anything in place to take over, like immediately. And what that leads to, the, you know, the, the First Order, you know, being brought back. Um. But I, I just really love that they're digging into those themes. But another thing that's really awesome about this episode and who was kind of a victim of this vacuum of power is Cobb Vanth. Uh, I love Timothy Oliphant. I love him. I, I, he's a phenomenal actor. 
Oh, dude, he's so awesome. He he. The first movie I saw him in was Scream Two, but the movie that always comes to my mind whenever I think of Girl Next Timothy Door. Oliphant, yes, <laughs> yes, Girl Next Door. He was so um, good, so good in that movie, though. I mean, uh, he's wickedly he's, evil. That that grin is just like you want to punch the dude in the face, but. See, for me, I, I watched the series Justified, which he's he is a U.S. Marshal, which obviously, you know, some parallel there. And he's pretty much that character in this episode. I, I mean, the, the, the he even has some similar movements, some mannerisms. Some of the lines are very similar when they're facing each other in the in the bar. And he's like, you want to do this now? He's, he said that before in Justified and like the hand by the gun, like the fingers twitching was, I mean, there, if you watch any promo for that series that was on FX, it, it's the same character, but he plays it so well. And then you can like, throw the Boba Fett armor on it, which I love that they did a good job with that, that he, you know, he even acknowledged right off the bat, taking that helmet off that it's not his. And, you know, he just bought it and it, it's ill fitting. It doesn't fit him correctly, but um, he still, you know, uses it well. And the character that he portrays in, in Vanth, Vanth is amazing. He did such, he, he knocked it out of the park. He did such a good job. And like you were saying, like my favorite thing about it is like, of course, we're expecting Boba Fett to show up in this season. You know, there's been rumors uh, that the actor Tamar Morrison is going to appear and, you know, we'll get to it later. He does. Right. But, but, uh, there's always been rumors about Boba, Boba Fett being around. And of course, in the aftermath novels that I read um, and, and when I used to read all of the Star Wars books or listen to the audio books, I've kind of fallen off of that a little bit. Um, we, we meet the character of Cobb Vanth, who's only in like three chapters and he does get the Mandalorian or uh, Boba Fett's armor, but it's a little different from in the show, but that's okay. Um, but I love the way that the armor doesn't necessarily fit him. Like you were saying, because, you know, he's a, he's a taller, slim, slender kind of guy. Right. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't fit him because tomorrow Morrison's a little shorter, a little stockier. Um, but the characterization is, is perfect. He has that rugged look to him. So he just looks like he belongs in a Western, you know, yeah. you could see him being a good guy or a bad guy. Uh, another good movie of his that kind of hints at that with him is uh, The Perfect Getaway, um, where he plays maybe a good guy or a bad guy in that you don't really know. Uh, but I love my favorite thing about the character is more of a it's more of a uh, a nod to the action figure of Boba Fett back in the day where you bend it over and it would shoot out the rocket rocket off the top. <laughs> and he does exactly that. Yes. It, it was that, that aesthetic choice is great. And then of course his speeder. That the is spe the speeder could very well be Anakin's pod racer. I mean, yeah, it has the same look, <laughs> the same sound. I mean, it, it was, it was a nice little, like, little Easter egg that they threw in there and nice little throwback. And I, I, I loved that. It was so cool. So awesome. And then 
moving on to favorite parts of, of this episode, man, what was your favorite part? I mean, I know what mine is. Maybe ours are similar, but like, what was your favorite part of this episode? My favorite. Oh, that's tough. My favorite part of this episode was when Mando got eaten, quote unquote, by the uh, monster so that he could, you know, get the Bantha in there. And then when, when you just see him dripping in acid armor all gleaming oh my god that was that was just like a oh, such a badass moment like it, it was it was as cool as it can be i mean there's there's other parts of the episode that are very close when you know when when vanth first walks in you see him in the boba fett armor it's badass and um and and the um the very ending is incredible but that that like going into the belly of the beast moment of going like like i mean that's a little bit of like a well there's like an invul you know almost an invulnerability to him with the new armor and stuff but i don't know if that's entirely the case but it it was it was just so badass to see and and i appreciated like the 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 sacrifice aspect of it too like he didn't know he was going to survive that he he did it just in the aspect of if i don't all of them, all of these people are going to die. So I need to do what I must to take this monster down. Yeah. And part of that, sometimes I, I like it because I l- always love themes of sacrifice, but I, I hate it at the same time. Cause it's like, dude, the child don't leave him behind. <laughs> you got to protect him. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was a great shot. It's almost like going into the belly of the beast to, defeated and it, it reminded me of this is probably an obscure reference i know it's not probably the most popular disney animated film but hercules oh yeah when oh yeah swallowed by the uh hydra yes um and defeats it mm-hmm. but i think my favorite part about this episode is the dueling jetpack action we get oh that's pretty awesome <sighs> Dude, it's so awesome. I, I, I love the little nod that he um he when he had to get Vamp out of the way, he he hit the jetpack the same way that it's hit when it's on Boba Fett that leads to Boba Fett's, you know, supposed demise. But it was this <laughs> fault in design that knocked him out of the way. And then, you know, the comment later, make sure you tell your people you broke that. <laughs> yeah. It's the uh the the Starlight. Sarlacc pit, Sarlacc pit. The yeah. Sarlacc pit, which, you know, going back a little bit, the crate dragon ate the ate Sarlacc. The Sarlacc. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, it was so cool. So cool. But that final shot, we got to talk about it, man. Uh, the final shot of the episode, you see a, a, it's a bald head with someone wearing what looks like to be sand, uh, sand people garb. And two and two rifles across his back. Yeah, he turns around, and of course it's Tamara Morrison, uh, who played Django Fett. Obviously, Boba Fett is a um, clone, un- unaltered clone uh, of of uh, Django. So and he's a little messed up, like he's got the scar yeah. across the face and uh no hair yeah oh my god it was it was so cool it was so cool to see it was it was a jaw on the floor moment um i I do hope that they do a good job of explaining how he survived but doesn't have his armor anymore 
Um, but I, I, there's going to be a little bit of conflict there because he's not technically a Mandalorian. And therefore, Mando can't give him his armor back. It's that's true Mandalorian armor only can be worn by a true Mandalorian. And Boba Fett is not a Mandalorian. So there, there's going to be a little bit of um, issue and conflict between those two whenever they do meet. But I I truly hope in my heart of hearts that we get a badass team up moment yes. between those two. Oh, it would be so spectacular. I, I think they're going to fight at one point each other but i hope we get a we get a team up moment and maybe that'll I, be when I, empire shows up at one point or another oh my god i can't wait for that because I, I know it's gonna happen i know it's gonna it's gonna be you've earned this armor type moment you yeah. are mandalorian kind of thing he puts on the armor and you're gonna get an awesome team up at least i i'm speaking it into existence i'm hoping that <laughs> I'm hoping that that happens and, and comes true. Cause here's the thing. I've never been someone who has loved the character of Boba Fett. I've always been like, eh, I love the cool, the cool look. I think it looks badass, but I've never really gotten the character, but now this gives them an opportunity to build on the badass look to make him the badass that we all, you know, assume we kind of all just assume he is. I mean, like the way yeah. he carries himself in the first, I mean, he doesn't say what two lines in the whole original trilogy, but you know, like he walks into, uh, um, cloud city. Yeah. Well, not just the cloud city moment, but then in, uh, in episode six that he goes into, um, when, when, when he's delivering, what's that? Jabba's barge. Yeah, when he's delivering and he gives the little like chin nod to the the one girl and, and, you know, you could just tell he's got like that swag for lack of a better term. Yeah. And, and, and like, I just appreciate the, the, the character as, as a whole, but like there's never really been an expansion of that. You never really got to see much like fighting really out of him. So it, it'll be kind of cool to see them actually build the badass that we all think Boba Fett is. Um, I think it'll be awesome. I'm, I, I hope that you are, we are both talking this into existence that we get to see this awesome team up. And obviously we're going to, I think we're going to see more of Cobb Banff down the road too. They kind of, um, allude to that at the end of the episode. Oh man, I hope so. I think we'll see more of him. I think we're obviously going to see, um, more characters from our, you know, the, the first season, back but you know we're gonna see some more um some more characters that maybe not the mainstream people know um mm-hmm. but but we're <laughs> they're gonna know they're gonna know who they are very very soon i think i i cannot wait for that because if you're if, if you're thinking about the same character i'm thinking oh, about it's we it's are one of, <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite star wars characters i uh i, I love this person that we are we are hinting at um yeah. I think that without person, giving anything away. Yeah, I think that that person is wonderful. But uh <clears throat> yeah, I I I cannot wait to see Cobb Vanth return and of course I cannot wait to see more of Boba Fett down the line. And speaking of of Cobb Vanth, Hasbro, if you are listening to this, I really want a 6-inch black series version of Cobb Vanth. Thank you. Please and thank <laughs> you. Also Ben Solo, if you can get to that point at 
or get to that figure at some point. That would be lovely. Um, but what do you expect from next week's episode, man? Because the way that this this the series is and the way that it goes, it's like we've talked about. Are they going to focus on the main story since last week seemed like a I don't want to call it episode of the week because that's not necessarily what it was. But are we going to get something that's going to tie to the overall story or are we going to get another episode where it's, you know, gunslinger on an adventure, having to save the town, having to save the people, having to break out a prisoner or something like that? Well, we didn't. The whole premise of this season, or at least so far, is the idea that he has to find more Mandalorians. Well, he found, quote, not really a Mandalorian, but someone who was believed to be one, but it turned out not to. So it didn't really expand or, you know, um, further along his search. He still has to find more Mandalorians. So I think a little bit of this is going to be him kind of regrouping, figuring out what his next move is and trying to find another Mandalorian. Now, I think that we're going to have a little bit of, you know, interplay with that when it talks to, you know, Boba Fett and how he's going to skew that. Um, Obviously not actually a Mandalorian, but, you know, a well-known bounty hunter throughout the universe. So I would assume they're going to know who he is when he does reveal himself or at least the name. Um, but then going further, I, I think that in this episode, we're going to see, I hope we see a little more expansion when it comes to his relationship with the child. Um, like I said, the, you know, the child made his adorable appearances throughout this, but didn't really have much of a role in any of this episode, um, other than just being along for the ride. And I think that there'll be a little bit more of uh, the relationship between the two. And I think there'll be a little bit more um, push in the overall story. Um, I need to see some more of the dark saber badly. Um, yeah. I know that my, I know my dad, when he saw that, he was like, that kind of looks like a lightsaber because he has no idea of any of like the expanded universe stuff. Um, and he's like, that kind of looks like a lightsaber. I'm like, Oh, you don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> it is the lightsaber for the Mandalorians. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it yeah. is. I, I can't wait to see what we get next week. I would imagine we are probably going to get more of the exploring the actual main storyline of the show since this one was kind of a this was kind of an appetizer. Uh, yeah. This episode, was, not saying stage for the season, but didn't ex, didn't really move the season along. Exactly, it gets the audiences back into that it's Mando time mode. Yes, and I, I think it was a great reintroduction to the the story, and I can't wait for next week's episode, which I think we'll probably delve more into. And to talk about what we've said before, I love that they're going the traditional style and not just dropping the season on you, like the, yes. the full release. I love that they're letting the anticipation build week after week. I like, I mean, the boys did that after they dropped the first three episodes, um, but I think that like. Don't get me wrong. I love being able to binge. I love being able to sit down and just rip through eight hours of TV. But it's kind of nice and oddly refreshing to have a show that I we can talk about. You know, you could watch it and then you have a whole week of talking about it. And these shows, these episodes, and that's a testament to how good 
how well they're done and the fact that they are a little bit episodic are so rewatchable. So, I mean, I've already watched it twice. I'm honestly, I'm probably going to get off of this and watch it again. And (laughs) the way I look at, I like, they're so fun to watch and that builds that anticipation to watch it next week. And then we'll watch it on Friday. First thing in the morning is I'm going to be like, Oh my God, I can't wait to watch it. And then I'll be dying for next week's episode. And I haven't had that feeling in a long time. And it's kind of nice to not have an entire season just right on your lap. I feel the exact same way, man. Like for me, I don't like to binge as much. I think binging is good with certain TV shows, but with event shows like this one or like a stranger things, which they haven't done and they probably won't. Um, or like the boys. I love being able to talk about each episode for a week after it comes out with my friends and, and family. It makes that experience of watching the TV show that much more better and more richer. Meaningful. Yes. It, it gives it this meaningful quality as opposed to, all right, I'm going to consume this 12 hours worth of content um, and then I'm not going to talk about it again. This builds that anticipation for that. You'll talk about it. You'll talk about how it ended. Yes. And then, and then that's exactly. it. You, you lose all of the ride. Exactly. Like you're enjoying it while you're watching it, but then once it's over, it's over. Whereas this, it's like you're along for the ride with it. And I, I love that they're going this route. And I, I, oh my God, I cannot wait for Friday. (laughs) (laughs) To quote the Joker, you get to savor those little moments. Yes. Very well, (laughs) very well put, even though that's a little bit more morbid when you. Yes. (laughs) The way that Joker, the Joker means it is, it's way more dark. I mean it in a good way. (laughs) Oh, but uh, Corey, if that is it, um, if you don't have anything else to add, I am all tapped out, man. Yeah. I, well, we'll have a whole boatload of fresh content here in about two days. So yes. I can't wait. <laughs> Cannot wait. Again, guys, I'm going to try to drop these on Tuesday. Um, I was originally supposed to drop this, as I said, yesterday. However, technical difficulties on my on, on my behalf happened, and those things do happen. But um, I'm going to try to get these out to you guys on Tuesday. Um, this has been a lot of fun, Corey. Thank you for Always. joining me. Always. Happy to be here. Of course. Until next time, guys, uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with all the latest content. And while you're at it, give me a follow over on Instagram at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, where I post reviews of certain things from time to time. Oh, God. Until then, stay classy.